Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. I'm James Carey. And uh, today we are going to be looking at uh, an area we've looked at uh, before many times, but uh, we're going to delve a a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about uh, characters, but not just uh, sitcom characters. We're going to talk about um, the relationships uh, between characters in our sitcom. And uh, I know, James, this is a a subject uh, of much interest to you. And what made you want to uh, do this particular episode? Well, if you go... um... Well, I did a, a webinar on characters uh, a while ago, and if you go to my blog, you'll you'll find some uh, links to that. If you join my mailing list, the Situation Room, you can get hold of the the video on that. But I went back to be the basics on characters and thought I knew, and and actually stumbled across some stuff that I guess I intrinsically, implicitly knew, but hadn't realised. Um, and it, it's all about characters projecting who they are onto other characters. Um, and so, and I mentioned it again recently on my Sitcom Geek blog as well. So it's, I've been mulling on this for some time and I'm excited to be able to just chat about them now because I think one of the problems that we get when we see scripts, and I read one the other day actually, or at least an outline of a script, which was that you've, you've actually got characters, potentially funny characters, maybe four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten characters. I had one up to 19 the other day. It was just an outline. And I said, you might want to get rid of half of those. But it just felt like each character was in their own show with their own little quest. And it felt like the characters were basically not even talking past one another, but missing one another completely. Um, Is that a problem that you found with scripts that you've read, Dave? Very much. And it's, and, and, you know, kind of um, in parallel, I've been having similar thoughts because I'm just uh, currently rewriting uh, the book that I brought out three years ago and doing a second edition of The Complete Comedy Writer, uh, in which I spent a lot of time a lot of chapters uh, on character, and um, there's there's one chapter on uh, odd couples, but then there are about five or six or seven chapters on this is a character. Why do they do that? What is it about character they can do that? And I and I realised that actually, you know, I'm I've partly guilty because I've I, I've often written about characters in that kind of singular form and the more that I look at scripts uh, the more I've been looking at scripts and thinking about that in relation to the the book the more I've been thinking yeah I've got I've got I've got these characters and they're all kind of moving in parallel and they're not they're not interacting and and really the whole you know the old couple which which is like one chapter in 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 my book I mean that's every every sitcom is about lots and lots of different odd couples and there's there's so much more that we could really be uh, looking at I think yeah definitely and um I I think there are I've got two sort of solutions here one is a plot-based solution and one is a a projection solution um so my my solution number one to this is to come up with plots that throw characters together and option one is a fairly obvious one which is have um a plot which pits characters against each other so let's say you've got character andrew a character brenda b you can give them a contest between each other or you can andrew wants to do something brenda wants to stop them or andrew wants to do something and brenda wants them to do something else or Andrew wants to do something and Brenda wants to do the same thing and only one of them can do it. You know, one of them wants to be the first to climb Mount Snowden that day and raise the most money for the charity. So so now we've got Andrew and Brenda competing against one another. 
and because they're different characters, they're going to go about it in different ways. Um, and sometimes, and one of them might be a cheat uh, or, or whatever it is. So that's kind of solution one, subsection one, is put characters against each other. And then the second one is actually to have characters sort of having to work kind of together against another character. So you've got Andrew and Brenda are teaming up against Colin. And now Andrew and Brenda are going to have to work together and are pulling in slightly different directions because they are different people. And actually, Andrew and Colin and Brenda and Colin have have a different relationship with each other. And at some point, it might turn out that Andrew might betray Brenda to Colin because Andrew and Colin go back years. Brenda's not worth uh, throwing that away for or, or whatever it is. So I think just really bedding the characters so that they are the they are the link they are the linchpins, the endpoints, however you want to put it, of, of your plot, rather than Andrew's trying to do one thing, Brenda's trying to do something else, and Colin is trying to lose weight. And none of them really have anything to do with each other. Uh, actually, you know, Andrew's trying to get Brenda to lose weight. Um and uh, Colin is actually picked the wrong time to start making an apple crumble recipe and bake. You know what I mean? So, you, you and he's very offended that no one wants to eat his crumbles. Now Andrew and Brenda have to pretend that they're eating them. They start hiding crumbles in various parts of the kitchen and the house and the potting plants and all that kind of stuff, and start. You know, I've got a scene a bit like um, uh, the Great Escape, where they're where they're wandering around outside <laughs> with bits of crumble going down their trousers I'm uh, as if they've been digging a tunnel. I'm thinking um, of the classic sort of um, shows with the kind of uh, suburban uh, alcoholics, and they're, they're kind of you know they, they've hidden the they've hidden the whiskey bottle inside the, uh, uh, the 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 third cupboard down below, underneath or in the plumbing, yeah. in the U bend of the plumbing or something, you know. So that's uh, that sort of thing. Uh, there's a phrase that springs to mind actually, uh, listening to you mentioning um, um, the uh, characters there and uh, Brenda uh, and Andrew and Colin, all of them that. Uh, uh, my my enemy's enemy is my friend, which is a sort of uh, well-known uh, phrase. But also, it, it, just talking there about odd uh, couples, uh, you know, all sitcoms are about uh, mismatched couples, but they are also about triples. And there is an episode we, we did record, actually, that was uh, uh, about, it's it, you know, it's not just about um, Miranda and her mum, it's also about uh, the kind of the three-way relationship with Miranda and Mum and Stevie—that's a separate, uh, that's a separate thing that you're working on when you're kind of working up an idea. It's like what are these, what are these two people like in an ordinary situation? Uh, uh, and now we're we're bringing a third person in, and what what are the, you know, well, as soon as you have three people in a, a a relationship, you start to see where the alliances are, where the conflicts are, and uh, you know it just it just automatically becomes more interesting and it offers more uh, dynamics. And there's some good exercises that you could be doing. I mean, a simple exercise um, that I've, I have, again, mentioned this uh, a couple of times before, but it's uh, someone once said to me, um, "Have what, what newspaper does your character read? And this simple idea, <coughs> excuse me, and this simple idea, like uh, hap there's a scene quite early on in uh, Last Tango in Halifax, which is a great show about an old uh, an old couple in their seventies who get together. They have, after fifty years, when they nearly got married and didn't, and now they their romance is blossoming. But he reads the Guardian and she reads the Daily Mail, and 
they almost split up just on that just on that one little piece of information uh you read the mail oh god that's so you know how can you how can you believe that rubbish oh well you know listen to you with your bloody trade unions and, and all that and, yeah, yeah. And, you know and, and they're actually they're, they're sitting in the church um on their own thinking oh this is going to be the nice place for, they're discussing uh the wedding plans and then they have this huge row and it's just one little piece of information one little exercise um obviously it helps to be sally wainwright one of the sort of greatest contemporary uh comedy drama writers uh, now but uh uh you know it, it, it is from from those kind of relatively simple straightforward sorts of exercises you you can uh develop very interesting dynamics between the characters and that's really what this episode's about isn't it it's about what goes on between them rather than just what are their individual uh needs absolutely and these things evolve as shows go as well but if you can look at <clears throat> go back to friends I mean, take any episode of Friends and work out what the plots are and who's involved in each one and how the different characters and different attitudes to that thing really makes all the difference to that plot. Um, You know, I think that's, uh, you know, there's, there's, um, I just, for some reason, remember an episode where Joey gets Chandler and himself bracelets. um, And to Joey, this is the coolest thing. And... Chandler kind of hates it, but has to wear it. And they both feel completely differently about jewellery, it turns out. Um, And so, you know, there's a bit where I think uh, Joey just says, hey, they'll call us the bracelet guys or something like that. And Chandler's just like, yeah, that's what they'll call us. (laughs) And that kind of, oh, my goodness, they're going to call us that. And that's awful. And to Joey, that's cool. So, you know, you've got that, you know, people feel differently about different things so shove things in their way to which they will respond differently Mm. but they're going to need to figure out how to get along despite the fact that you know they feel differently about this thing that's come along and that's exactly the same joke as you know in the pilot one of the first things that joey says you know he sees uh, ross and uh he says hey hey ross so you split up with your girlfriend you know uh you know what the solution is now strip club and that's just so not the solution for Ross. I mean, we don't yet know yeah. that. Ross hasn't actually said a single word in the whole show yet. But, you know, they, they know the characters well enough to know that Joey's going to say strip club. And that for Ross, strip club is going to be the worst possible answer. Yeah. And I think that leads us very neatly on to the, the second thing. Um, solution two to your characters walking past each other um, and talking past each other is how they project themselves onto the others, both in terms of character and story. So in terms of character, it's worth thinking that there, there are three things, more things than that, going on with your character. You've got your character, let's call him Andrew again. How does Andrew see himself? He sees himself as someone who's well-read and intelligent, maybe. How do we see Andrew? Well, we think Andrew's probably a little bit pretentious. How does Brenda see Andrew? Well, if Brenda's not very bright, maybe she thinks that Andrew is a proper intellectual, for example. And so her attitude to him is one of slight reverence and awe. Um, And there's another character, Colin, who's very down to earth, who may be not the brightest, but his attitude to Andrew is, well, this guy's stuck up. This guy's pretentious. Um, And so 
we uh, so we can see that there are different shades of interpretation and this goes back to the thesaurus thing doesn't it dave well yes and that's another thing that i've noticed and, and in fact reading your blog about this um uh, one of the many things that impressed me about this blog um well well one of the the, the main things that impressed me about this blog was your uh, ability your gardening ability actually there's a oh yes a, um you, you not only do you get great sitcom advice but you also get to see uh how james managed to turn a kind of uh, an unwanted unloved section of his garden into a very nice uh, little uh, little kind of uh, patch rosebush rosebed uh, yeah very nice yeah. um so uh, but also in there and it, I, I did a, again i did this chapter about uh, 3 years ago in the book the complete comedy writer uh the thesaurus idea let's say and in my example i had um a character who sees themselves as uh, clear rigorous thorough and i said and but the op- look at the op- look at the words that also mean that look them up in the, your thesaurus and you'll get things like uh you know control freak and um you know kind of um fastidious over, yeah i would say yeah over fussy and all that stuff but actually and I, I, I again i've been thinking more about this and thinking actually well that's only i i had like everybody she sees herself as this and everybody else sees her as that but even that's over simplistic because as as you point out how x sees that character is going to be completely different to how y sees that character and again i I was sort of thinking about a show like um the office for instance and you know we we the audience um see david brent pretty much in the same way that tim sees him but gareth sees him in completely different way gareth sees him you know he's he's his hero isn't he so yeah uh, so there, there is always more than one way that a character to, to how a character sees themselves and how there's always more ways that other people see them and again this is all about extra layers this just brings you extra layers of comedy extra interesting uh, routes for your characters to take and and routes to kind of raise the stakes and you mentioned there about how it works for for character and story um, we had this interview recently with John Vorhaus, uh, the great American writer about comedy writing, as well as being a very successful sitcom writer. He says he he doesn't actually think about the character. Uh, he he starts when he's coming up with a new character. He comes up with the stories, and that's how he develops the characters, which I think is is great and bold. I'm still a little bit married to the idea i'd like to have a little idea about the character without it being set in stone but with the minimum amount of information and knowledge that you have about your character you will start to push them with the stories and these stories will come from all of this that james is talking about now how a character sees themselves how others see them what it's like when you put them in a room with the other character and that's where all your stories are going to come from yeah. I mean, just going back to what you were saying about a character being being thorough, you know, I just looked up fastidious uh, and, uh, you know, there's fastidious, scrupulous, punctilious, painstaking, meticulous. Some of those are positive words and some of them are negative words, you know, exacting, demanding, hair splitting, pedantic. Uh, so you've got you've got a, a very big range of. Uh, of options within that kind of character that different characters will see. So some will see your thorough character 
as scrupulous. Oh, he's got a real eye for detail. You know, we'd be, he's, it's absolutely invaluable to have this guy around. And for someone else, it's like he's demanding. I actually think that he's a bully. I think that this person is using their high standards to control other people. And this is maybe someone who also likes to psychoanalyze everybody. Uh, so, you know, th this character is always trying to say what kind of person people are. Um, so you, you've sort of got lots of possibilities for characters to suddenly look askance at each other or look in awe at each other or, uh, you know, suddenly we've got dynamics, we've got relationships rather than four characters all doing their own thing. Yeah. And um, if you're kind of still struggling with this a bit, if you're kind of thinking, well, how do I make my characters work? Uh, again, you know, come think think about relationships in your own life. Um, and I'm not saying use I'm not saying use all all of them. And I mean, I do sometimes uh, see scripts where the story is too much. The person says, "This is what happened to me." Yeah, well, the thing is, this is a fictional show. You know, we want a story, and it's more important that it tells a story than it's than it's absolutely true <laughs> to you. However, yeah, the note the note on that this story actually happened to me. My note: I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's what what does matter though. What happened to you? And you know, when James and I asked this question about what is it about you that's going to make your sitcom different? Uh, and, and only you can write it. The answer is not, well, it's set in a supermarket and I worked in a supermarket. The answer is, I am bringing relationships, the way that I felt emotionally in relationships, I am bringing those things that were unique to me, incidents that happened that are unique to me, but these are universal feelings. And so look at the kind of relationships that you have, you know, kind of step back if you can from the emotional baggage that there may be with them. Uh, look at your relationship with your parents, say, or, uh, or if you are a parent, look at your relationship with your children. Uh, siblings is another one. Just look at your, and, and, and not to judge or anything but just think how how did I react when this happened or how did they react when I did that and you will find there something that's that's unique to you but everybody else uh you know the way that you reacted in that moment but it will be a feeling that the other people will uh you know we, we will relate to that as we'll all relate to that we'll all see that even if uh, we've never had that ourselves, you know. We may know we've got siblings or or, or we've got children or whatever. Uh, friendships, you know, what were your friendships? You think about what your how uncomplicated your friendships were when you were like seven years old, you know. Uh, and think about some of the friendships you have now, you know, and um, and and and, and uh, enemies, you know. We all we all make enemies when we're you know all through our lives. And what? Why did you fall out with that person? What was it about? And you know, usually it's not about a, a, a terrible thing. It's about a kind of a vibe that you got. But then you know you'll fall out over something really petty, and that's where a lot of comedy comes from. Neighbors, you know. Uh, relationships with teachers or if you are a teacher relationship with pupils people that you work with these are all uh really good uh starting points for you to think about the relationships with your characters to so think about and these fictional characters that you are creating you know that they will have these elements of your your 
your feelings and your emotions uh yep. just stick them into these foreign invented people and they will that will bring them to life that's really helpful one yes and and one caveat i really like the idea of just thinking about family relationships because you you know what they did you know what they're really like you know what they used to be like and also they know about you and what you did so those relationships that go back a long way there there are people that there are one or two people that you'll just do anything for even though you don't necessarily know them very well anymore so for example we've got Andrew Brenda and Colin Delia turns up and Andrew can't can't do can't do enough for Delia and the others are a bit puzzled by this because she can do no wrong and yet she's clearly a truly terrible human being um but actually you know Andrew's known her for ages and he always feels bad about the fact that you know he he used to bully her at school you know he used to call her names he he's realized what a terrible thing that is and so he's always sort of playing catch up on that or a sibling you know that a sibling is is deeply resented um, because they always got preferential treatment. They were the one who was allowed, uh, they, they were the one that got a car when they were 17. And I didn't get a car when I was 17 or, or whatever it is. So I think, you know, thickening it all up nicely with those gross injustices of the past or those terrible bits of guilt, I think are worth considering. So that's the yes and. But the caveat is we don't want characters being retrospective. And we and if if a character is being falling over themselves to be nice to a character for a whole episode and we have to wait until the 23rd page to find out what the reason for that is that's going to be annoying and that's retrospective so in a way you just want to use this as sort of writing exercises and sketches and ways of giving your fuel fuel to your characters so they're always going forward and looking forward as opposed to explaining at the end why everything is the way that it is that's not a sitcom episode that's not a compelling story that's a mystery show you've written and it's not going to be funny because it's going to be confusing and I've not said this for a while on this podcast confusion is the enemy of comedy that's uh yep that's a very strong point I'm laughing as well because um somebody who uh, I've just been working with actually who listens to this podcast a lot and um Gave, gave me that very note about something in a sitcom that I'm writing at this point. So, um, oh, I'm um, sorry about that. It's come back they to... quoted me to you. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Which was fun. So the one other thing I was wanted to say just before we probably wrap up fairly soon is going back to what you said earlier about Joey's solution to Ross's problem. Joey's solution says everything about Joey and kind of says nothing about Ross. And so... It's worth thinking that you you project solutions uh, that you like onto other people. So uh, the example I give in this webinar uh, that you can get hold of is, um, you know, if you're an eco person and somebody's car breaks down, your solution will be, this is great. This is the time to get a bike. Um, and, you know, now is the time to do that. And that bikes are very reasonable these days. They're not. They're like two grand if you want to get a decent bike. Um, but they're going to sort of go all in on this advice and it's entirely motivated by their own passions and it's obviously not the right solution for the person but this but your character is going to believe in it as a solution and somebody else is going to say oh finally you get rid of that stupid Nissan Micra you can get yourself a real car um, you can go and get yourself a Mustang oh look there's a second hand one here absolutely cheap as chips you should totally get this 
And so again, the solutions they're offering say everything about who they are. And they have very, they have scant regard uh, for the character uh, that they're talking to. So, you know, work out... Go on. I can say I think you'll find that the person who's trying to help by saying get rid of your car and get it back is actually has has the planet's concerns uh, partic- in particular. Well, yeah, but exactly, but <laughs> that's clearly not going to be helpful. It's like I what I'm going to take three kids to school on one bike. You know, has that going to? Yeah, yeah, no. you can get four four person tandems. It's just like get real. That's not happening. But you get the idea that people have these usually well motivated solutions. Um, to, to these problems but they're the wrong solution or at least they appear to be wrong and you know so they say oh it's all right I've got you a bike already and now I'm in hock to this person who solved a problem uh with a solution that I didn't want and I've that and suddenly we've got comedy because we've got just a whole load of people in the wrong place with the wrong stuff and they can't kind of you know address it properly because they've already got this sort of friendship going um so I think it's a way of rather than just people being against each other and making jokes about each other to their faces all the time. This is a way of having characters sort of positively dragging each other along um, uh, into funny places. I mean, an obvious character like that would be Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec, who is boundlessly kind and enthusiastic and always trying to help uh, her office workers. But she's often, you know, and everyone knows it's coming from a really lovely, nice place, but but she's kind of unstoppable once she gets going. And the same with Beverly in the Goldbergs as well. She's the mum who just loves her kids too much. And so she can't be stopped. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I would add one uh, caveat to your caveat as well. Um, one one thing that I, I would say is um, know, know the backstory. You know the backstory between these characters, um, but you are not going to put it into the... Uh, you're not going to put the actual story into the episode, but you are going to put the consequences of that backstory in there. And so, if the consequence is uh, that one person, that if it's if it is siblings, you know, one person felt that the other one always got the, the more favoured. Uh, was more favoured and then the other one might say well you know I was the older one I was expected to be more responsible I mean I think those are okay they're not actual yeah and you know when you were four years old I got this and you didn't get that that, that definitely you know that we, we that that's a no-no but the feeling of you know I was I was always had to be responsible for you and I was a bloody idiot i didn't know how to be responsible for you you know um i would i, I have my own issues or whatever yeah. so, so that that that's kind of yeah that that sort of way of of, of uh, uh bringing the past up is, is okay i think yeah as long as it's kind of a situation rather than a a kind of specific story and i think a really good example of that is go back and watch the very very first five minutes of only fools and horses where it's super clear that Del Boy is the big brother and basically had to be the dad um, and the mum to some extent because his his mum died. Uh, their mum died when when they were quite young, and so and he he he's obviously making the most of that fact that because I was there for you, you sort of have to do what I say. And there was no one specific thing they're referring to generally, but it's just a it's emblematic of the relationship. 
So I think anything that you can do to give these examples and then throughout the series, they can go, oh, blimey, this is the this is my eighth birthday party all over again. And in another episode, it's like, oh, great. OK, here we go. Uh, this is this is Christmas 1986, is it? You know, and it's they're all basically the same thing because it's a sitcom. So it's basically the same joke, but but framed in slightly different ways. Um, rather than this sort of enigmatic story where people are acting either out of character in ways that don't make any sense and then it's all explained. Um, I'm really, but you'd be surprised at how many scripts you read where information is withheld and then presented in a ta-da kind of way and that doth not a comedy make. That's not a twist, that's a revelation. Um, and again, we, we, we're often getting into this creeping comedy drama stuff uh, which is one for a whole other podcast episode yeah and i, I think for me the characters the, the the stories that work really well uh where um a piece of information has been withheld and it's a, a piece of information that you the writer know but it's something that has dawned on the character over the course of the episode they they have worked it out uh, in the same way, and they're like they are just they are just one step ahead of you, the audience. Um, but that's all. That's all they need to be is just one step ahead in the working out, and and you know working out something that may be completely wrong and 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 and, and bad and and you know. Um, but it's still it's um, to to, it, to to feel it happening in a script. Is, is, a, is a great thing whereas as, as James says too often it's uh, a character doesn't say anything and, and at the very end it was all aha my plan was this you see I made you think that but then you know it's all tell 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 and no show 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 um, but let's just um, so let, let's just kind of bring this uh, sort of conclude the, this um, conversation I think because there are uh, some very important points to make and it really is uh, something that people need to think a lot more about uh, there's plenty there's loads of information out there about characters uh, how to make them proactive how to make them own their mistakes all this kind of thing how to make sure they never learn from their mistakes um, but there isn't quite enough yet and hopefully we're starting a good uh, conversation here about how they are with each other. Yeah, I think one other thing just to throw in as I thought, I, I happened to stumble across an episode of Modern Family the other day. I think my, my wife's been re-watching Series 8 because we watched it such a long time ago, we've sort of forgotten and we don't have Sky at the moment anymore so we haven't, we haven't watched Series 9 or 10 or whatever it is they're on at the moment. But the thing they do really well on that, and I know it's an extended family show, so it's it, it's easier than most, but they're really good at landing every episode in a kind of moment where they're sort of all together. How they manage to find 24 different things a year, which is, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday party. Oh, it's so-and-so's anniversary party. Oh, it's Manny's graduation ceremony. Oh, it's uh, Lily's um, bike demonstration. Oh, it's... so. But in a way, I use it as an example just to say they're really good at just bringing the characters together so that everything is heading towards an event where all is revealed. And sometimes the characters don't intersect. The, the, the A, B and C plot don't necessarily overlap, but they all kind of come together in the same place and they're there for each other. Um, which I know that, you know, if you've got a family show, that's probably what you're aiming for. And there are other shows where that's not possible, but... It does feel to me quite often that some sitcoms now 
have sort of characters on some completely separate quests. Sometimes, they've done this in the Goldberg, they appear to be happening on different days. You've got a running plot where one plot's sort of happening at night on a weekend, and another plot that it sort of appears to be broad daylight on a Tuesday. Um, I don't know, have you seen that, Dave? I've, I've kind of given up on caring about that, because the number of times I've seen something, and, you know, often in favourite shows like uh, Gilmore Girls or something, and it's like, um, there's like sort of 20 minutes of an episode takes place, seems to take place over, you know, sort of from from 8pm till midnight, and then the next 10 minutes seem to take place from 4 p.m. earlier that day through to the 4 p.m. the next day so it is you know and I just thought oh, okay I'm just uh, I'm 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 using too much of my own uh my, my own kind of uh, knowledge here uh about that yeah. just one one thing I, I I think and again it's years since I've watched Modern Family so I can't remember exactly but I think one th- I think a point where Modern Family it was always it's always a great show but I think roundabout series three or maybe like halfway through series two, it started to be, it wasn't just about, and here's Cameron and Mitchell family, and here's Claire uh, and Phil, and here's um, uh, Jay, and so, and so like the three. They, it started to be the sibling thing, the, the, uh, the, the Mitchell-Claire relationship started to, they, they started to explore it. And that, for me, was a really kind of interesting moment because that's when, which goes ties in with what we've been discussing here, it stopped being just about each of the three separate families. And through it being partly about Cam, uh, Cameron and Claire, that immediately made it about all three families because it was about their families each and their relationship with their dad. And, and that's, whatever stories came out of it, you, you just had that kind of three... So much of that was about how how Dad treated you compared to how he treated me, and you know, Mum in the background and all that stuff. But that that was the point for me at which Modern Family really kind of over, uh, you know, kind of went, went off into the stratosphere. I think. Yeah, no, definitely, it's still an amazing. It's an amazing show, and it's just that their level of quality is is incredible. So I think we'll we'll leave that one there. Um, just to let you know. It is towards the end of August as this podcast is landing and is dropping. We're recording this slightly ahead of time. But I can tell you uh, in breaking news that uh, uh, very soon I will be running a couple of workshops. In fact, uh, I think uh, they are on Monday the 30th of August and Friday uh, the 3rd of September. Um, They're called Write a Sitcom in a Day, so either do one or the other. The subtitle is, you obviously can't write a sitcom in a day, but you can spend a day making a plan um, and working out how to get a script written, essentially. So this is me walking you through the process. It's an all-day Zoom webinar, um, and uh, you can you can join in with that. Um, you do need to buy a ticket, unfortunately. Uh, so, so go over to my blog and do that, sitcomgeek.blogspot.com, or there'll be links to it on my Twitter handle, at sitcomgeek, and you can find out more about that so that's write a sitcom in a day with the subtitle you obviously can't do that but that's kind of the it's spending a day with me you can ask me anything there are loads of questions i'll be walking you through the process telling you as much as i can in the time that we have available and taking as many questions as you've got and we can sort of cram in uh, to that day so that's on uh, august 
bank holiday Monday the 30th of August and Friday the 3rd of September. You buy a ticket and you can turn up to either, it doesn't matter to me which one uh, you come to. You can sneak into both if you want. I'm not going to throw you out, but it'll be you the, could write, the same stuff. You could write two sitcoms. You could write two sitcoms in two days. One on Monday, that. one on Friday. Yeah. So, um, so there's that, sitcomgeek.blogspot.com and you can find out more about that and there'll be links there. And you can uh, join in that. That'd be great. Dave, uh, what, yeah. are you, what are you up to? Well, I've got various uh, uh, things. I, may f- I have a much more modest uh, course, which is about uh, building a, a sitcom, writing a sitcom in eight weeks. So it's a much more leisurely. That's not more modest. I mean, that's, that's sensible. <laughs> yeah, but you do actually physically have to write the whole sitcom. I've got a course starting uh, in October. Um, and also, but I am booking as well for one in January. But also, I am very excited in November I've got this course where I'm going to be working with writers who've already written their first draft and we're going to be working on uh, rewriting so you can find out information about all of these courses on my website davecohen.org.uk excellent davecohen.org.uk and also you can join us on Patreon to be part of an extra monthly podcast where you can show up on Zoom and ask us anything you like. So do do that. Uh, it would be great to have you on board. You can also join the Facebook group uh, as well if you're a Patreon. Uh, and there's lots of chat and, and uh, sharing of information and generally cheering each other on. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much for listening. And we will see you again in a fortnight. Cheerio. Cheerio.